The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. It felt like we had this energy push on us. These are the things that, that uh, they're just really hard to explain. I, I feel like we got zapped by something that night and we, we stopped going up there. A Bigfoot bonanza, Bob's bowling balls. That ain't the freaking North Star. Monster Mail and more tonight, episode 204 of Monsterland. Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts, paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc, and the host of the Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Welcome, my monsters, to episode 204. This one is going to be jam-packed as well. Uh, we'll try to keep it under four hours, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Ronald, how are you tonight? Very good, Matthew. How are you? Uh, good. I'm feeling great about this podcast. Thank you to all the new monsters out there. You've been spreading the word. We hear from you. We it's appreciate growing. it. It really is. Crazy. So tonight on the program, we decided to focus on really what's probably the, ironically, the most important or at least the most common aspect of Monsterland, and it's the one we haven't really dove into yet, which is incredible, and that is Bigfoot. I mean, yes, orange orbs, yes, UFOs, yes, abductions, all that stuff is fun and awesome to talk about, but as far as Monsterland... Bigfoot's a big piece. Bigfoot's maybe the big piece, and we haven't done a deep dive into Bigfoot yet. So if you've listened to season one, you know that we have a close relationship with Squatchachusetts. Now, I'm going to do a quick little education, Ronnie, with your help mm-hmm. to our people out there, like uh, my friend Buck, who listens to the podcast, right. who doesn't know a lot about the paranormal. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves that a lot of people are listening to this. This is their first foray into this. And in fact, uh, a person who has a podcast on the Pod 617 network, uh, Chachi, the legend, He's a, if you're listening to this outside of Boston, he's a Boston legend. Um, Beatles expert. He has a podcast here on Pod 617, which is, David? Back to the Beatles with Chachi Lopret and Bingo. Professor David Gallant. And he gave us a nice shout-out on Twitter. He's like, hey, man, I'm man. into this paranormal podcast, Monsterland. So there's people who are just kind of getting into this uh, realm of what is Monsterland. So there are some buzzwords in this interview we're about to do about Bigfoot. So I wanted to kind of go over that with you, Ronnie, on this mm-hmm. interview. So Squatchachusetts is the Massachusetts chapter of something called the BFRO. Right. What is the BFRO? So right? the BFRO is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And Jonathan Wilk and David McCullough are co-founders of Squatchachusetts, which is an investigative arm of the BFRO. They'll investigate cases within the state of Massachusetts, and uh, they'll do expeditions. I lean on these guys. Matt and I have leaned on these guys for... Yes expertise, just guidance. Um, Dave's been doing this, like he mentioned on this interview, for 14 years. And John's been doing this for a long time, since 20 years ago, once he had his first encounter. So these guys are very seasoned, and you can lean on them to kind of understand the history and different experiences. They are 
in, in my opinion, my mentors, when I go to different situations, I always lean on these guys. And we went out. Wait, what you're about to hear with these guys is so compelling. And if you listen to Monsterland, I've referenced them before. I've referenced Dave's story when I talk about that compelling, that Massachusetts guy who, who looked me in the eye and said he doesn't know what these things are. And I was right. so moved by him. Right. That's, that's Dave. That's what we're having on tonight. And John's story of his first encounter is downright chilling. Oh, it's on. And you're real. about to hear that. Um, but. You know, Ronnie, what comes to mind, too, is the fact that you have these guys who, you know, they they ain't making money. Like, the BFRO is just there for people. It's a national organization for people who have seen Bigfoot right. or, or are into it and want to report Getting into it. Right. And, yep, and this is just the Massachusetts version of it. And you and I formed a relationship with these guys right off the bat, and we went out on a squatch hunt. And, and again, what you're about to hear is stunning. The, these account... You know, Dave McCullough is as salt of the earth, Boston as they come. And when as you hear come. him tell the story, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are a complete skeptic. It will move you. Because I don't know what he saw, but he ain't lying, as right. I always say. Right. So, but you and I, and, and, and I've got proof of this. It was about um, a year ago. Yeah, it was about did. a year ago. We went on a, on a, on a hike with them. Eight degrees, by the way. Eight degrees. It was the <laughs> coldest day of the winter. We went out onto Elm Street. Elm Street of all places. Which keeps coming up on this podcast, the yes. Elm Street entrance. We'll talk about that later, too, yeah. And we went squatching. And um, you've got Dave, who's an outdoorsman like you read about. Um, you know, John, who's a former park ranger. These guys spend their lives outdoors. And we went in a stretch of forest that you guys know. You grew up there like a the back of your hand. We took, what, 10 to 20 feet into the tree line, past a creek, to talk Bigfoot and go to a site. We were all and, and twisted we got up, man. Dave, producer Dave, we got twisted around, and it really felt like. And maybe this is just me. And I've never talked to you about this before. I've, I should have asked actually John and Dave about it, but I didn't want to embarrass them in a way because they were they were embarrassed. They're like, dudes, yeah, we this do this. Have, we know this was like the best. We do this all the time. How do we get lost? This is what we do. What do we, and it, I, but I'm being honest, it felt like Blair Witchy to me. I didn't have yeah. lost time per se, but it I started has, panicking a little bit. I was like, what, remember we what, just circled here again. What is going on? Jeff Myers, in our interview that we had a couple episodes ago, the, the postman. Yes, this place has a vibe. It does. And I was Unlike like, get any me out other, of yeah. here. And that's where we went. We went down Elm Street and it has this vibe. It has this energy yes. that is very like... I, I, I've been twisted up so many times. Yeah. I've been down there so many times, and it still throws And up. we weren't that When are you guys taking me out on one of these hunts? Oh, oh done. This spring. Done. But here's the line of the I'm year. I'm in, though. Here's it's the line. The funniest thing that's ever happened on this podcast is a true story, and we haven't told this yet. So we're lost. All these outdoorsmen <laughs> know what they're doing. They're embarrassed because I'm there, like the radio TV guy, and they're like, hey, this has never happened before. <laughs> And we're lost. It started getting dark, and it's eight degrees. And I start going like, "All right, start, this isn't you start funny to anymore." Panic. Like you start I, to I did. Panic. I was, I, and I was like, "Someone doesn't want us here, or something." We're being effed with. Like that's how it felt. It yeah. did. The, the, I can compare it to Blair Witch. It was like, "Here we go again, circling around." Well, I started at going that mad. Time, yeah. At that time, we were already out for three hours. That's right. And it's getting dusk. It's like three forty-five. It gets pitch black at like four thirty at that time of the winter. Yeah. So I'm freaking out, and all of a sudden, Ronnie LeBlanc, my partner, Mister Monsterland, <laughs> Mister Author Expert. Swear to God, tell me I'm lying. Yeah. Davey goes like this. Oh, well, you know, I have a map. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, fr- I had a map John will go in my oh box. God. What the fuck? Oh Welby looks at me and goes, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You had a map this whole time? So, 
the only comparison I can think of is uh, the great Daphne Zuniga in uh, uh, the sure thing. The sure thing. <laughs> oh my when, God. They, when they're stranded and, and the rain is pouring down on them, and Daphne Zuniga says, wait a minute, I have a credit card. He's like, you have a credit <laughs> card? You a credit card this whole yeah. time? Yeah. Right. Exactly right. All right. Yeah, so problem. that was our moment. So anyway, but just yeah. the high strangeness in that area, or high strangeness is more men in black stuff, but, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the weirdness in that forest, uh-huh. and I felt it. So... But these guys are going to blow your minds, um, and we have a piece of audio later after the interview, Ronnie, about our a follow-up to our UFO sighting, which oh, is yeah. going to melt your mind. Oh, man. And, yeah, so this is a great show, and of course, your mail and all that, but a couple little buzz terms that happened during this interview that, again, I preface this whole thing by explaining some of the people aren't into this stuff. So um, there's some commonalities that they mentioned, which are turn out to be very, very... Uh, you know, they happen in these Bigfoot encounters. And these guys who, when they threw, when they went through it, they didn't know that. So I think that's very compelling right there. Um, also, they mentioned, you know, Cliff and Bobo a few times. Cliff right. and Bobo are from a Finding famous Bigfoot. show called Finding Bigfoot. Animal Planet. On the Animal Planet. Um, they talk about the screams of these Bigfoots, the the grunts, which are, again, common with right. people who have report Bigfoot encounters. Um, wood knocks, um, that's a common thing where Bigfoot hunters and researchers will bang on a tree with a piece of wood, right, and then often get responses. Responses, and you know, it, early days before this this was starting to get so mainstream, it was one of those things that you can kind of almost count on. This is different, but now you expect people to freaking if you're gonna bang a, a tree with a you know right. a bat or whatever, you're gonna get you know it's. Almost expect to get something yeah. back, even though you're what you know miles into the woods right. where there's no one else. Um, and then gifting, I mentioned gifting, and he talked right. about gifting. That is actually something that happens, and I don't think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but um, it happens in the primate. In in you know, this is not just a Bigfoot thing, right? Primates will gift each other, correct? Yeah. So there's the talk about that. Habituators is the term for um, people that have. You know, they're either living in locations like like John. He's in this situation where he's in this area where they almost have to kind of come through his backyard almost. Mm. And there are people that have responded and said that, you know what, I have a family or a tribe of Bigfoot that are in my backyard that are coming. And they'll leave them food or different gifts. And the Bigfoot in return will take that food and then would, would like, say uh, – take a figure that was made out of twine, uh, a human being kind of like made out of twine or crystals or different things. So you would leave them food and they would leave you a gift, you like a stone. Back. Right. And and that's what John talked about. He was starting to have these gifting um, back and forth. And then you, you start to kind of push it a little bit too far that they kind of get scared off. But yeah, if you go somebody's far. leaving you something and it's, it's, it's fascinating and it's been going on for a long time. And what's compelling about that is that a lot of people believe that uh, Bigfoot is like, you know, an undiscovered North American great ape of some right. kind of primate. Some kind of primate. And, that, and that, and scientists will tell you, it's not us. Again, it's not paranormal. It's not anything that primates will do this. They will leave each other food and, the, and then one group will take it. And then the other group will leave them something back gifting. So we right. reference that. And, right. But in this case, it could be humans and Bigfoot, which is unbelievable. You know, I don't, I don't think bears are gifting. No, and, you know, and they've had, um, Reports of crows being able to gift yes. leaving things, so yes. there could be that interlay with that. But and then uh, one other thing I want to just address because it, it confused me for a second is that um, 
or it, alar- it you know it, it caused me concern like oh boy what is just to flare the, these cameras so yeah. basically you'll hear Dave one of the um, guys we're about to interview talk about the tree lights being lit up on top of the trees because he saw an orange orb there's orange orbs there again yep. in a Bigfoot it's unbelievable but then uh, then John mentions these cameras and what, yeah, what the are these flares. cameras yeah so it's it's uh, so infrared. they weren't setting off flares no but using flare cameras which actually pick up the um, heat, the heat signatures, right? yep. And these are military-grade pieces of equipment. And John and the Squatchachusetts team, which we have access to these um, pieces of equipment, um, they can record and they pick up these heat signatures. And through that, they were actually picking up this light that was coming through this UFO, whatever right. that was. And so you could look them. We've looked through them with them. Yeah. You can look through a tree line, even in the dark, and if there's something that has body heat, you'll see the outline of it and everything. It's, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. So yeah. when he you know, he says that, oh, we flared the uh, area, they're not setting off flares. It's right. these cameras. I just Correct. want to make that clear. Yeah. All right, so without any further ado, get ready. This, is, this could be my – I mean, this is an incredible interview, and if your hair is not standing on the back of your neck during their stories, then uh, I don't know, man. You need a – you need a pulse check. Here's Seriously. John Wilk and Dave McCullough. Squatchachusetts. Well, if you've listened to season one and what there has been of season two of the Monsterland podcast, you know our next guests by reputation, John Wilk and Dave McCullough. Guys, welcome to Monsterland. Thank Thanks for, for having, having us here. It's been a long time coming. Um, so much to get to, guys. But let's let's start with, let's not bury the lead. Um, we've got you here. Dave, you're on a phone line, and, and John, you're in our super fancy uh, podcasting Zencaster connection. But uh, there's been a recent sighting in Monsterland, a Bigfoot sighting. John, can you can you walk us through what the latest information is, please? Yeah, yeah, sure. I got a. I talked with uh, one of our fellow researchers who's uh, been out with us multiple times, been on quite a few expeditions with us. Um, he lives out in the Lemister area quite frequently spends uh, his whole weekend out there. And um, I, I consider him a pretty reliable uh, source for us out there. And uh, him and I actually had a pretty good encounter back in 2016 up in the Berkshires. So if he tells me something, I'm, I, I feel like uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty reliable. So last Sunday, he was hiking up in Lemister State Forest. I don't want to say the exact area to mess up any of his uh, research, ongoing research up there. But while he was hiking back to his car, it was later in the afternoon, he had that sixth sense that something had been following him, something had been watching him. And he kept looking over his shoulder and there was nothing there. Um, About halfway back to his car, he looked over his shoulder and he saw this uh, about five or six foot bipedal black subject standing right alongside the trail. And uh, he thought to himself, oh, geez, that, that wasn't there just a few seconds ago. So he stopped. It was about probably about a football field away, maybe about 1,000 feet, 900 to 1,000 feet away. And he um, thought it was looking at him at first. So he kept looking at it and trying to size it up and trying to figure out what to do next. And then he realized what he thought was looking at him was actually looking away from him because there was a, another hiker coming up the trail in between them. So this subject um, turned around and then looked at him. That's when he realized for sure it wasn't originally looking in his direction, at which point he got a better look at it. And it was, he's, he feels as though it was about six feet tall, all covered in hair. 
with the big long um, arms and the wide broad shoulders. I uh, couldn't make out any facial features because of the distance between him and the him and the subject. He said the subject then turned and headed, uh, I think it was uh, more of like a northwest direction as it stepped off the trail into the woods. This is where it got a little bit of a paranormal uh, take on it. He said that it started to vanish. Parts of it started to vanish. Its wow. arm vanished, its leg vanished. By the time it made it into the wood, the, into the tree line, there was nothing there anymore. It had just, just vanished away. That makes me think, so, Ronnie, a little bit about when you tell your encounter as a kid. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You say you could never see it's anything. Like the predator. You knew something like, was there, almost cloaked. Yeah. Like invisible, that, ta- that same kind of situation. That's exactly what comes to my mind. <laughs> Right, and, and this this guy, you know, he's a, he's a really dedicated researcher. I've known him for several years, and of course, I wasn't there to experience this, so I, it's hard for me to comment on what he saw. I, I just go by with what he reports, and I feel as though he's a pretty dedicated and straight up researcher um, who wanted, you know, who wanted to be making anything up. He's very uh, very reliable guy, and if he said he saw something, then I take his word for it. Now, John, and, uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask: Has there been in, in Monsterland, at least in 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 the Monsterland area, have you heard tale of an encounter like this in terms of a dematerializing or a vanishing? I've only heard a few of these over the years, and um, I, I don't subscribe to the whole cloaking thing because the only reason I I, I don't is I haven't experienced it yet. So I, I, I take I take it on what's told to me. You know, Ronnie has shared a few stories of of stuff, but the the few from Monsterland that I've dealt with, this is the first uh, personally that I've heard. You know, f- firsthand from somebody. Uh, the other few that I've I've talked with uh, people up there in that general area of Monsterland haven't mentioned anything of of a, of a cloaking or a disappearing act. That's but like I said, I don't dismiss it. Dave and I have had some pretty weird stuff happen out yeah. there in the well, field that we, yeah. we just can't explain. Talk, talk about just, that a yeah, little bit. I want to go to Dave, actually, yeah. Ron, if we could. Dave, yeah. um, thanks for being on the show, first of all. And and second of all, Dave, you're probably – I mean, John, your story, and I'm going to have you tell it in a minute, your story is completely compelling and, and just breathtaking. Unbelievable. But Dave, you, you might be the guy that, at least in my – mind and heart that I think of when I think of compelling witnesses and, and not so much your story, but it's just kind of like, you know, the guy you are, the man you are, you're so grounded and blue collar and just Massachusetts, New England, you know, you're not a bullshitter. And when you looked at me, we went on a, we went on a a kind of a hike together and I thought the last guy in the world who would bullshit me is to this man. And I know we had just met, but uh, could you tell your story a little bit? Give, if you could, just give us like a, a little bit of your background and then your Bigfoot encounter that you had that you told me about. Sure. Uh, this is like my going into my 14th year of it. And uh, to be honest, the last three or four have been the most active. It was pretty quiet early Sasquatch-wise. But um, my first experience was actually an orb. In Whitehall, New York, I went on a BFRO expedition in 2005. And uh, it was just me and another guy out late night where there was recent sighting. And uh, that was more of like an orange ball just come out of the bush. And about four years ago, John and I were up in New York, um, uh, Hudson Valley area, Red Hook. 
and that was wasn't a knob, but it was just uh, the middle of the trees. We were like another myself and another guy were facing the woods, and the whole top half of the trees just lit up, almost like there was a spotlight on them. And same thing, not as fast as the orb, but they just moved slowly and rolled right up the tree into the sky, and it was just dark again. And that was probably only a second or two. It was a little longer than the orb just kind of phased off and disappeared. But this was, you could actually follow it up the tree, and then it was, when the lights left the tree, it was just dark again. There was no lights in the sky. There was no... And we both spun around like, where's the light source coming from? And there's nothing behind us but a, a just <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, that night. field and yeah. no vehicles anywhere. And you guys are in the Hudson Valley, and if you don't know, UFO freaking hotspot, Hudson Valley. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I <laughs> yes, got zapped I that night. heard that from a lot of people out that <laughs> way. Yeah, we get, I'm pretty sure we got like a, a zap f- from that because I, I, I had the wind knocked right out of me really? after that happened. Really? Yeah. How, how so? Like, so you felt like someone hitting the gut or something? Or? Well, it feels like somebody pushed us over. The The woman that I was, Dave and I were separated. Um, we we had the fleer and we were fleer in the woods. And when as soon as Dave said, hey, something just shot up in the air right over the top of you guys, it felt like we had this energy push on us. Wow. And I, I can't explain it. You know, these are the things that, that uh, they're just really hard to explain. So. Right. I, I feel like we got zapped by something that night. They talk about these, these, um, the, the ability to send energy out. Right. And I feel, I feel like something affected us that night and we, we stopped going up there. Wow. <laughs> from, from after that so, event. Yeah. Wow. Dave, you told me, uh, you told me about a story. I think it was your first encounter. I think you're in a canoe and cause, cause that John just made me think of that. You, you described, I think feeling, feeling sick almost like you're oh, being yeah, disabled right. by an animal could you tell about that story because you're the last person it's funny let me just tell this i've told this on the podcast actually dave but i've never been able to have you on I, I, if you've listened to previous episodes of Monsterland, listeners have heard me reference this story but we were walking down a trail and i assumed because of your kind of just blue collar street wisdom type of thing that you have i was like if i bring up paranormal paranormal and bigfoot to this guy he's gonna punch me so I literally framed yeah. it. I literally framed it, Dave. I don't know if you remember, but I kind of like to protect myself. I was like, "So what do you think of all this Bigfoot uh, paranormal yeah. bunk?" And you kind of went, "Well, you, then you tell me what it is, buddy." And I was like, "Whoa!" So, <laughs> so talk about that. You were in a canoe or something? Yeah, that was uh, another incident in Whitehall, New York. That was uh, two years after the orb experience. That was 2007, and I was out. Just out in the uh, little canalways at the bottom of uh, Lake Champlain, not actually big, wide open, but these are more like channels that feed. One feeds to the Pulteney River in Vermont. And, um, yeah, it was an early Sunday morning when you don't expect nothing. I was out just just out for a little ride down the canal and, um, you know, the big old bulky camcorders. And I just stopped for a bit, and um, I felt great going out. And with it, I did hear some, like, almost like low rumble growls, almost. And I'd still have to listen, then nothing. And then um, my thing did pick up something growling on tape that I didn't hear. But wow. anyways, um, as I stopped, I just, yeah, like my stomach turned. I felt awful and just got this weird feeling, almost like I've heard described of dread and 
Like, get the Almost hell out of there. Almost had to go. And like I said, for the hour I was out there, I felt great. This is great. And then just, I don't know, things turned. I just get a, like a, a sick feeling. And um, I just assume, like, before something happens and I just want to get this thing back to shore and get out and get back on land. Because it, it was a pretty spooky place. It's I'm not... It's the East Bay area of Whitehall where the, it's really remote. There's really, you can actually only get in there by water. Did you see some tree yeah. movement at that time? I thought, did I make that up in my head? I, did you see some tree movement when you felt sick? No, no, I just kind of felt a presence there. I didn't actually see anything. Never. It just seemed like something was there. And I'd love to have these analyzed. Like I said, they're on old DVDs, actually. Mm, wow. And, um... I, when I went back home, I never heard nothing actually while I was there, just the bad feelings and the dread. But I have a good friend of mine who's a musician who I took to, asked him if he could put these from, they were on the old <laughs> videotapes to put it on a CD. And he put it through a nice big system, and all of a sudden we could hear it. And he's looking at me saying, hey, you didn't tell me there was nothing growling. What the hell is that? Oh, and my I, God. I'm like, he heard the growls. at a loss for words. I'm like, I really don't know. And... The past couple of years, I've been wanting to have it checked or analyzed, but it's so archaic that it's uh, a couple of people have said you got to get it transferred off of. They're actually on old CDs and DVDs, right? But uh, very interesting, unidentifiable, but it kind of reminds me of a um, infrasound type sound. Yeah, it's such a low rumble, you, you really can't even imitate it. It's so low and bassy. And uh, and it makes sense of why I really felt that bad. I felt like I was going to throw up within wow. a couple of minutes. I'm like, wow, before I kill over and uh, flip the canoe over, I should just get back. And I kind of hightailed it out of there. Have you ever heard anything, Dave, have you ever heard anything? You, you both, Dave and John, are serious outdoorsmen. Have you ever heard anything that, like that rumble, that growl in nature before or since? No. Um, I've heard two really good vocalizations, but they were loud and not as deep and bassy. But this was like um, very, very deep. I like you said, you can't even, you couldn't even imitate it. Get that's that low. That's horrifying. Man. That's horrifying. And I, and I actually do still have that. I wish I did have that for you to play. I'm hoping to, when I do get it transferred, I'd, I'd we definitely can, like. We can uh, help like you with that, Dave. Career. We can. We can. That's something we can offer you. I mean, we have. Uh, great uh, engineer here at pod 617 and we, we can help you that actually we'd like to get that sound on this podcast That'd be amazing. so yeah um dave sure. didn't you dave did you and john or excuse me john did you and dave recently have i think ronnie what was it well john and i were talking about just some weird stuff when they've been out in the field and john you mentioned a little bit about i think in new york again with you and uh dave you had a missing time kind of in, uh, situation um, yeah, that was actually out on a piece of property out here in Western Mass. Okay. Oh. We, um, yeah, that was, uh, Dave will probably remember that day. We, we were out checking out a couple of these little stick glyphs that were popping up on this piece of property. And I kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I started talking to just out loud saying, hello, is anybody here? Just, just give us a sign. And then 
Dave, you'll remember that when the, the tree started bouncing up and down all by itself. Oh, whoa. And, yeah, right and next to us. He, he looked what? at me and I looked at him and he goes, what do you got, a piece of string in your pocket? <laughs> 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 and I, and I'm like, yeah, Dave. Yeah, I came out here ahead of time and, you know, tied a tree. <laughs> tree, And then, like, there was a moment there where I'm like, well, wait a minute, where have we been for the past five minutes? Because it, was it wasn't a deja vu. It was more of a, like, oh, wait a minute did we just just not just check out for like wow. five minutes you know it was and pretty it, bizarre yeah there was no so this wind is the at stuff all that that's just, what was you know, really strange it just messes about it with was, your head um, you know the whole tree didn't move but just one branch just kind of moved right when he said it and whoa i'm like all right this is this is a prop <laughs> what are you gonna string in your pocket or are you gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was punking him you know <laughs> john tell tell um our listeners and this is one of the Oh, it's amazing. Most compelling stories I've ever heard. And, and, you know, we've gotten to know each other a little bit. And looking into your eyes and you tell it, I was really moved uh, like I was with Dave. Would you please, if you'd be willing to, share your encounter that you had, um, the, you know, the one you told me, your, your big West. one. Oh, my, yeah, my yeah. original one back yeah. up uh, yeah. uh, 20 years, 20-something years ago? It's incredible. Yeah, so um, I had this really great job as a, as a summertime park ranger for the state Back then, we it was uh, the DEM, uh, Department of Environmental Management. Uh, we used to call it "Don't Expect Much," but <laughs> you know the uh, the agency uh, now is called uh, DCR. And uh, I was park ranger at several parks, um, built up a little bit of seniority, and I got uh, got bumped up to this park called Savoy State Forest. It's one of the largest parks in the in the in the state, and. Uh, I got, I pulled the night shift. It was pretty, it was pretty good shift because, uh, you know, the campers were there and the campers would always feed the park rangers, you know, so that was a, a easy way to get a free meal. But I, one of my responsibilities is uh, I had to patrol the outlying boundaries. So there's, you know, 65 some odd thousand acres up there that have to be patrolled. And um, a lot of the roads go back to the 30s when the CCC the Civilian Conservation Corps was up there building them. There's this one particular loop that I would take. It was about a 12-mile loop, and I could check, make sure the kids weren't up there partying and burning the picnic tables or drinking. Or you know, Somebody could actually be broken down up there. Even to this day, your cell phone doesn't work up, up in that area. Mm, wow. So back then, before cell phones were even around, you had to go up there and make sure nobody was in any trouble up there. So I remember... Just like it happened the other day, anytime that I, I talk about it, I can revisit it. Uh, it had just rained, so there was that, that nice crisp ozone smell in the air. I was listening to the Red Sox on the AM radio in the truck, and um, I pulled into this day use area. It's called Tannery Falls, and there's a little picnic area there, and there's a 250-foot waterfall there you can hike on down to. And it was, you know, it's really dark up there. There's no light pollution so the clouds were still overcasted, so there was no moonlight. So all you have is just the the beam coming off the headlights of the truck. So, you know, picture that. That's how dark it is. And it's very remote. There's nobody around for, for miles. So I pull into this parking lot, and there was some trash on the ground. And the top of the barrel was off. It's like a 55-gallon drum with the little cap on it. Yeah. The cap was off. And there was some trash strewn around. So I'm like, all right. So I pull up about 20 feet in front of in front of the uh, the barrel. I grab a, a can liner that's on the seat, like a trash bag. Step out of the truck, and I got one hand on the can liner, the little trash bag. The other hand on the 
the door and I hear this crash, boom, bang, snap coming from the woods. And I look over there and out of the woods comes this, this bipedal, hairy covered creature uh, runs right in front of me with barely bending down at the knees, grabs a bag of the trash that's on the ground oh and runs around the other side of the truck. And when it crossed the other side of the truck, it turned and looked at me right in the eyes. Oh, oh my and, God. It, and, it, and it had these, I'll never forget these golden amber eyes that were just brightened up from the headlights. And it was maybe just a tad bit taller than me. I would say about six feet tall, a little bit bulkier than I am. So I, I put it at around 200 pounds. And I always tell everybody it was, it looked like it was groomed, like it was pretty. And it, wow. it, it happened in like about five seconds. And so I went, oh, you, you know. So yeah, like what are you I thinking turned. in those immediate moments? Like, are, do you, or is your mind even able to process it? Or is it, is it oh, paralyzing I, I, fear? It's taken me years to process the whole event. Right. So, you know, so I, I turned to get into the truck. And out of the corner of my eye, I catch this silhouette behind the truck. Of this About this eight foot tall silhouette. Oh. Probably about four feet wide. And I said, oh, you know, yeah. said, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's another one standing here and Mama. it was about 50 feet behind the truck. So it was pretty darn close. And it belted out this roar. The best way I can describe it is a gorilla and a lion together, mm. but with an amplification that it, it just re reverberated right through my body. Wow. And it, it, you know, it just shook me. And I, I had that, that two or three seconds that I was like paralyzed, like I'm, trying to get into the truck with every bit of energy I had. I grabbed the steering wheel and I had to pull myself in and it seemed like it was, everything was going in slow motion. It was that, that fight or flight syndrome kicked in. Mm. And I, I remember slamming the truck door. Now, mind you, I'm only 21 years old, not looking for Bigfoot, just up there picking up trash. I slammed the door and I remember I reached over and I, I locked the door. Yeah, man. <laughs> like that's going like, to help. That's, that's going <laughs> well, to protect me from this eight foot tall eight <laughs> creature and it's well, sidekick, you know? You know what came into my mind? It's funny you mentioned like, uh, you know, uh, useless defense. I, my first thought was, were you armed as a park ranger? At that time. No, yeah. no. Mm. Uh, they would never allow us to carry guns. Okay. <laughs> that, but that's the first thought when you mentioned right. the eight-footer. I'm like, did you have a gun on you? Because I would have reached for yeah. it. I mean, I, I, all right, so then then what happened? So so I uh, I remember I grabbed the microphone on the dashboard because that's all I got, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like you're like one step above a rent-a-cop. And uh, so I key the mic and I hit the repeater up on Mount Greylock because it, it makes a certain little noise. It goes, bloop, bloop, yeah. tells you that, you know, you're connected to the repeater. Right. And I, I remember just about to say something and I let go of the mic and I dropped it. And I go, well, what the heck am I going to say? You know, right. so I, I threw the truck in a drive and I was just about to, to step on the gas and something bang hits the back of the truck. And Whoa, to this day, I still don't know if it was a, a rock, a stick or a hand or whatever. All I know is the truck had like 1,200 miles on it, and there was a dent in the truck wow. that now, you know, I found the dent afterwards. And I, I took off out of there. Now, that truck had a big 460 in it, you know, with a four-barrel, and I stepped on that gas, and I, I must have left a 30, 40-foot rooster tail out of there. <laughs> and I never took my foot off the gas for about 12 miles down the road till I got back to the uh, to the office. And this is where it gets crazy when you get back to the yes. office. Yeah, tell so, that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, 
I think this is actually so, one of the more compelling, uh, you know, or, or uh, yeah. validating so, parts uh, of the yeah. story. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, you, you got to process this. I went home early, you know, I locked the place up. I got out of there. So a couple of days later, um, my, my, my supervisor said, Hey, you're, you're not doing your logs. You know, I don't see you're not out. What's going on? You're, so I've been busy. He says, no, you got to make these logs. You, gotta, you know, you got to make your trips out, to, you know, check these places off, write down license plate numbers that are cars that are out there. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I think I want to go back to days, you know, and uh, I'll never forget. He's like, well, you know, he leans back in his chair. And he's like, well, why? You know, you've got seniority up here. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather, rather, rather not be a part of this anymore up here at night and he goes he leans back in his chair in this creaky old chair i can see him sitting in that chair right now and he goes he goes did you see something oh. and uh, I, I said well what do you mean he goes he goes you saw it didn't you jesus and i and i said uh, <laughs> i said no i said i saw two of them <laughs> and he goes oh my god he goes he goes, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone seeing two of them. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah. He goes, look, he goes, look at this. He goes, he leans back to the filing cabinet. And he pulls out this big manila folder about three quarters of an inch thick of all these sightings that people have written down and mailed in and uh, reports filed about the, these creatures up at Savoy State Forest. Oh, my God. That is... Yeah, just incredible, John, and and thank you for sharing that. I know I know that it hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows in terms of when you experience something like that. What it does oh, to your life, life would be so much better off. If I <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously. Yeah. And and now, John, you have <clears throat> for people that don't know, you're you're where you live now. You're you're in a hot spot where they're coming through, and you've got them kind of knocking on your freaking walls to get food, right? Well, I guess that cat's out of there. Talk about that, that because that that blows my mind. Are they doing gifting? It blows my mind. I I suspect there's things. There hasn't been anything going on um, in this particular area in a a few years. But several years, a few years back, there was some pretty crazy stuff going on. And I feel as though um, there was some gift exchanging going on between me and something else out there never got a visual of anything out here but i certainly heard a lot of wood knockings and there's a lot of stick structures around here and um i did a little digging on the history of this area out here and there uh back in the 70s and 80s they used to call this uh people used to see this thing they they termed the, the granby blob and it was this hairy monster that used to run around the area out here people would see it from time to time and when Dave and I started this group, Squatchachusetts, this guy came onto our webpage and said, hey, any of you guys know of this area in Granby where they, they used to see the Granby blob? Well, yeah, it's I live on that property. <laughs> so it kind of ties it in with some stories back from the 70s and 80s. And if you go to Cliff uh, Barackman's page, he's got a couple of my audios up on there. And mm you can hear um, some of the wood knocking back and forth with me wow. and something out there in the woods. It's incredible. And um, at times, you know, we would leave some food out there. You come back later, there's a couple of rocks where the food used to be. Um, there was some large handprints on some, some buildings here and stuff. Um, not trying to draw too much attention to things out here. Cause there hasn't been a lot going on in a while, but other people have had these similar experiences out here. 
and I've been working on mapping a lot of these these incidences. And if you look at the an overhead view from Google Earth, there's two giant pieces of, of property out here. You got the Quabbin Reservoir, and then you got the Mount Tom Range Mountain Range. They call it the Seven Sisters. The only way to get between those two pieces of property, right through my backyard. Wow. So, and that's where the stick structures are. That's where the hunters have had encounters. There's a guy that lives not too far from here. He stopped and talked to me one day. I used to have this big, big foot crossing sign out in front of my house <laughs> until the town made me take it. <laughs> I guess it, it hit the AP news. And then I uh, guess everybody in the country was calling the police department looking for information. Oh, that's so awesome. see, that, they, told that's what's... It, they told me to take it down or, the, or they were going to take it down. <laughs> that's so, took it down. so compelling to me guys, because like Dave and John, you like when you hear musicians, you know, get together, and, and they're true musicians, like they know what they're talking about. And I've had this experience where like a guy, maybe another musician I didn't pay a lot of attention to, but musicians get together and they go, that cat is for real. Like that guy can play. Right. All of a sudden you go, all right, that they know what they're talking about. And you guys are such outdoorsmen and the hunters and the outdoor. And when you guys get together, it's like you guys know. John, you say, I'm not a believer, I'm a knower. You know what I mean? Right. And when I hear you guys talk, I'm just in awe. It's like there's no doubt when I hear your stories and you get together and talk about it. I, I, you know, yeah, I sure, you know, there's something out there. And, and I never tell people, I, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, you know, don't listen to me. Don't take my word for it. Just come on out with me. Right. And uh, I'll I'll show you what I know and I'll take you to places. They said, just be prepared for, for something really off the hook to happen. Well, you come out with me enough. Like, you got about, you come out with Dave and I, you got about a twenty percent chance of something happening. You probably you probably never see one, but I'll tell you what, you're going to encounter one, and you'll probably be running out just as fast as I am. Because <laughs> uh, once you've been screamed at, or once you've had some rocks or pine cones thrown at you, um, it's those screams. When you hear those screams, when you you know you're too close, you know that you've you've crossed the line somehow. Right. You're not wanted there. Yeah, these things they they they'll let you know that you're they don't want you there anymore. They'll start shaking trees, and um, Dave and I've had uh, some wild stuff happen out there in the field. And uh, we were up at the the Quabbin. Dave was at this past summer. Uh, Dave lets off a nice wood knock, and then oh, about thirty seconds later, this gargantuan tree gets pushed down behind us. Whoa! You know, and yeah. <laughs> so the, one of the guys with us, he got he's a little skittish. He um he didn't uh, do too well when that happened. So. Uh, <laughs> The whole way out of there, we had to hike about a mile and a half out of there in the pitch dark. And the whole way out of there, I know we were being followed. Abs- yeah. Absolutely followed. Yeah, you have that was this- Dave, Dave. That was was that back in June, Dave? Yeah, those were well, really intense. The trees getting pushed over. That was the second one that's happened to me, and that's um, that's as intense as a good scream at you. Also, you know, so you can hear you can hear, you can hear the. Hear it, you can hear the vocalizations and, the, and but crack on the ground, man. But no, vi- no uh, visible sighting. But you're hearing these trees crashing down and right. Well, it's it's really hard in the summertime when the vegetation so oh, dense. So the flare ca- the yeah. flare cameras won't penetrate that. So what you'll see is you might see like a little blip or something in between the foliage. So you just have to find, you know, use that as your target and then you approach it. But as we started to approach this thing, we realized we were heading into a swamp and, and, um, you know, usually when you get like a scream or a tree pushed down, 
uh, our good friend J- uh, Bobo James James Faye from Finding Bigfoot. Mm. He calls it the crescendo. Uh, that's the show's over. They've uh, they're not happy you're there. They're gonna do something that gets wow. you out of there, and then that's it. You're you're not gonna have a positive interaction. Well, now, other times where we've gifted, where we feel as though we're having these interactions with them, those are positive. Um, but I've I've made mistakes along the way that I've learned not to do. Uh, I've gotten a little too aggressive, gone a little bit too close to where I shouldn't have, and that's all stops. Um, I had a pretty good, what I feel was a good gifting exchange going on on a piece of property, and I, I messed it up. I got a little too aggressive. I tested their boundaries, and they they're gone. I haven't had any encounters there anymore. Uh, yeah, actually, a lot of women in the um, Central Mass area have had the same experience with Ronnie, <laughs> my partner Ronnie. Tried to gift, yeah. but got too Maddie, aggressive. Maddie, I'm married. Got a little too God aggressive. Damn it. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave, uh, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, Squatchachusetts, you guys have powered this thing. You're our go to experts on this stuff, and we will continue to come to you um, in the future. Yeah, John, and you have a couple events coming up. I know we have. Uh, Ohio Bigfoot Conference coming up in April that you're speaking at. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm heading out in uh, January, the end of January. I'm heading out with Cliff and Bobo to a Squatch Fest out in Washington. Awesome. We're going to go check that out. And then uh, Bobo's coming out here in April to do an expedition. Uh, we're just hosting it for him. He's sponsoring. He's taking. He's going to take a bunch of people out in the field. Yeah. And then uh, I'm speaking in May out at Ohio Um the biggest conference in the country uh six years ago dave and i couldn't even get tickets to this thing and now <laughs> now we're a major sponsor and i'm speaking at it it's pretty awesome. funny and guess what and then uh, I, I think with that in yeah. october squatch toberfest that's so gonna, yeah. calendars. Oh. squatch toberfest is going to be on columbus day weekend at the new mgm casino in springfield Woo-hoo. we're wow. going to have some beers and we're going to have some big we're fun. in and, and, and I think be, we're doing a podcast. An event. We got Cliff, we got Bobo, we got Dr. Meldrum. Dave McCullough is going to be there with his little miniature museum. And we're going to have people from all over the country there. It's going to be a really great event. And I think we're going to be and doing a, a little a, bit of gambling too. So we'll have to keep right. Ronnie away from the 21 yeah. tables. <laughs> we're going to do a, a podcast episode from your event. Yeah, and as great, well as uh, uh, all the, the who's who of Bigfooting will be there. Oh, it's going to so be amazing. And then Ohio, we're going to try and make it down as well. Mark gave us the invite to come down and do a podcast episode. So Ohio, Bigfooting. really want to meet some interesting people. Oh, that's the place <laughs> to go. You got the whole spectrum there in Ohio. Let me so tell true. You. Um, John, where can people find you? Well, we have a pretty lousy website, by the way. Um, it's <laughs> uh, squatchachusetts.com. Um, Squatchachusetts trademark. And... Um, Com. If anybody's listening out there that wants to uh, maybe do some pro bona uh, website work, give me a holler. I'll give you a free T-shirt or something. But And then we're also on Facebook. We have uh, um, quite a big presence on Facebook. If we're ever having an event, that's the place to find us is on, on Facebook. We, we welcome everybody to come out with us. Um, we don't guarantee anything, but you got a better chance coming out with us than we feel as though you do just out there on your own. If you want to have an experience with these mystical creatures, Come on out with Team Squatchachusetts. Love it. And I, I want to end with this, and I want to go Dave, then John. Um, and, and this is an impossible task, but as briefly as you can, what the hell is going on? We'll start with you, Dave. What do you think Bigfoot is? What What is going on in Mossland? What are these things? Uh, that's a good, that's the million-dollar question. It just can't, it, it needs an explanation, and, you know, 
the years I've been doing it, I was dead against anything other than it being a flesh and blood animal. But the last few years, um, kind of on the fence now of how can these things just not be found? They're, they're there. And then I've they're gone. close enough. I've, I've heard them. I've had two really good trees knocked over. And uh, especially the first time I had a partner with a therm, he put it right on it and there's nothing there. No explanation to uh, to what's leaving the tracks, pushing the trees overs, coming out on people. There's no. I re- I really wish I had a where I lean and an answer. You know, that's what keeps me going. Is that the incidents that do happen? Is it's kind of keeps you coming back out because deep down I know something there. I can't say like John. I know because I don't know. I haven't seen it, but again, just the elusive. And mysterious is what kind of is drawing me. Well, Dave, that is an so. answer, and it's a great answer, man. And uh, John, John, how about you? Well, I have to go with the scientific approach. I, I've uh, unfortunately I've seen these creatures. I know that they're they're a tangible. Uh, if I could have, I probably could have run up and tackled one of them. So I know that they're flesh and blood. Um, I think that they're a relic hominid that is just co-evolved with us on a different plane. I think they're highly intelligent. I know that they can outsmart me because they, they outsmart me on a regular basis. They know I'm showing up before I, I'm halfway there. Uh, however, they're, they're, they may possess some kind of a, an ability that we don't have or we're not knowledgeable. Uh, we don't have enough knowledge about. Can, can, they, can they vibrate at a frequency and disappear? I don't know. I don't have any evidence to support that other than statements from other people. I'm going with the flesh and blood uh, relic hominid that is just wants nothing to do with us if i were them and saw everything that we were doing to this planet cutting trees down burning everything leaving garbage behind i wouldn't want anything to do with us either so that that's that's so my true, uh, that's where i'm going with that's great uh john wilk dave mccullough squatchachusetts thank you so much for this and everything and we will talk soon thank you boys thanks guys have a good night thank you buddy boy thank, thank you man. dave Ah, uh, another fucking pickup. God damn. Oh shit, we're recording. Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland: Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. I mean, John Wilkes' story of seeing two Bigfoot and that eight-footer behind him, and what's compelling about that too is, of course, the guy saying, you saw something, didn't you? Right. And then having the case files, which he is knew. incredible, which, by the way, exist. Yeah. But weird little details, like the juvenile one being well-groomed, mm. you know, almost shiny. and like Because everyone's described as Bigfoots, or a lot of people are as gnarled Angie. and stinky yeah. and yeah. skunk ape and all that. He's like, no, this this thing was shimmering and like... Almost like a puppy. Oh, my God. It's crazy. And the fact that, oh my God. you know, the C1 is like this crazy thing right to see two yeah within seconds is i mean and i just ask you uh dear monsters listening even if you don't believe in this stuff which if you've lasted this long of the podcast you probably tend to believe yeah you're in or at least you're you know one foot in imagine what it would be like to be as he said it's a 12 mile loop i think he's an eight mile loop right and you're out miles alone in the woods, miles from any other human. Middle of the night. And two, an eight-footer, and that scream. That scream he talks about. 
Good night. Hi, everybody. I'm Chami DePerel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. Now it's time for Monster Shoutouts. Okay, this is when we like to shout out to people that we love, different podcasts, uh, anyone who we feel can help us, quite frankly. <laughs> no, uh, no. no. Uh, this is an incredible um, thing that happened organically. So about week two in this podcast. Season one. Season one. You and I were guests on something called Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. Uh, and, and I wanted to shout out Joe Roop because he's a hell of a host. That was our first interview that we did together. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It was Father's Day night, and you'll know that if you listen to this podcast, because we've talked about that's night Ronnie and I had our UFO encounter. That's right. Now, we've described on this very show what our encounter was. I guess it would be episode three or four of season one. Right. And you can go back and listen. But we describe it. Dave, do you remember? I'm going to do a little quiz here. Do you remember how Ronnie and I described it, like, as far as the craft itself? Did, do you remember how we described it? Was it a huge craft or a small? Like, do you remember that? It was definitely either a Tic Tac, a Tylenol, or perhaps a uh, weather balloon. It was one of those. <laughs> I was absent that day. Yes, I'm right. sorry. Well, well done. Good improv. <laughs> well, it's funny. He's, 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 he's taking the Tic Tac uh, UFO video. And, all right. We described it as, and again, you can go back and listen, as a star-shaped. It, we thought it, was, it was a starry night in Rhode Island, yeah. and it was a star sitting in place. And suddenly it moved and all kinds of wacky stuff happened with it, right. which you can go back and listen. But here's the amazing part. And I was just going to do a shout out to Joe and that podcast, Lighting the Void. Um, <laughs> it, this is like prophetic. Ronnie, th- Ronnie this is, and, and we had said like, weren't we, ta- I think in the podcast when we did that interview with him, that the radio interview with him, we were talking about like, weren't we, and we were hazy on it. Like, didn't we yeah. mention star-shaped UFOs and then went out and <laughs> saw one? Like, so what you're about to hear is Father's Day night at about midnight or 1 a.m. Eastern time. This was a three-hour interview that we did from yes. 12 a.m. to 3, 3 a.m. And it got weird. And he, got we weird. talked about everything. everything. And he, he actually says at the end, he goes, that might be the best uh, interview I've ever done. <laughs> and it was just magic. And then I said really to Ronnie, was. I go, Ronnie, let's put your mojo to the test. I want a UFO yeah. right now. Let's and we walked her. out, and God damn it, didn't we see a star-shaped <laughs> UFO now. But here's what's weird. I went back and listened to this interview we did, and my heart dropped. Well, you called me and sent it to me and said, listen to what we were talking about, and then what happened is just all right, Go so ahead, here's sorry. the interview, and just keep in mind, literally what, 
35 or 40 minutes after we recorded this, right. maybe not even, yeah, we went out and saw exactly <laughs> what Joe brings up here. This is freaky. Hit it, Dave. Damn, I missed another question because I was rattling off at the head. <laughs> Do you guys think that, that UFOs disguise themselves as stars? Because the more I study this stuff about UFOs, the, the most revealing footage I've ever seen is stars that, these things that, that pretend to be stars, but eventually they yeah. start moving. Yeah. Um, I saw one in Florida this, what, February where it was just this star that looked a little bit brighter than the other ones and just sitting there. And then all of a sudden it starts moving and kind of like dancing around and, and zip around. Then it goes back and stops and then keeps them. And so people keep on reporting, um, you know, uh, UFOs that look like white stars and then all of a sudden they start moving from their position. They're just, so uh, yeah, it's, I have heard a lot more stories than I've, thought I ever would about that type of experience. Question in the Spreaker chat, I think it's from Maddie, is so, can you tell us more about that? That was it. And then we walk outside, and I say to Ronnie, I want to see a UFO, and what do we see? An effing star-shaped UFO hiding among the stars, and it starts moving across the yep. sky, and I encourage you to go back like, and listen. I was like, here we go. And we, I, I, I talked to it. It responded, it, it, and we reported that to the – but when I went back and listened to that, I was like, holy We talked about all shit. that stuff. The, the UFOs hiding in stars. I talked about my my first. That brought me back to my first experience in Canada. Right. When I was nine or ten with my cousins, and we're sitting on this rock in New Brunswick, and there's no light pollution. The stars are amazing. And we see this thing moving across. And, and one of my cousins, and I talk about this in, in the book Monsterland, is that she's like, that's a satellite. I'm like, Okay. It's going in this one direction. But what about the other one that's going in this other direction, the same? And this other one coming over here. We literally count, like, I think 11 within 25 minutes. It's just what is going on? What are these things? And what's weird, too, is that earlier in that podcast, I didn't grab this time, but you talked about the paranormal in general. You said something like, you know what's funny is that when you open yourself up to this stuff, It'll start interacting with you, and you and you said something to the right. effect of like you can actually ask for what you want to see, and it'll show itself yes. to you. Like you'll and you go, you can bring something up, and it'll manifest and itself. I, and I brought, I, and then yeah. Joe brings up star-shaped UFOs. I say I want to have a UFO experience. We we'll go outside and we see a star-shaped yeah. UFO, reacting right. to my commands. I'm going, show me, baby, show me. And it starts lighting up the sky. I mean, what the fuck? Well, well, when you said when we walked out, you're like, all right, I want to see a UFO. Yeah, like I haven't had my UFO. Yeah. He goes, man, he's like. Let's show me, right? Show me your juju. Come yeah, on, do like, your thing. Do your thing. And I was like, I don't know Man. if I. Oh, here's one. And then just here we go. So we should have Joe on sometime. But uh, oh, absolutely. So that's Great. our monster shout out. The weirdness continues. It goes. What up, gangsters? From Pod617.com, it's Shawshanked, the podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. Nick Stevens. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. Matty Blake. Come on, do it. Kill me. It's Georgie Kip. This movie has everything. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshanked. Movies that you get Shawshanked by. Shawshanked. I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshanked. Make sure to check for new episodes of Shawshanked regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm coming apart!
It's time for Monster Media. Well, this week it was absolutely no question what we were going to do in Producer Dave's new segment, Monster Media, and that is Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, the new film. The number one doc on iTunes. Um, This film um, is, I, I watched it. So I want to... Which I have yet to watch. I'm, a, I'm jealous that you actually watched it. Yeah, well, some of us are dedicated, Ronnie. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, okay, let me... St- well, let's play a little trailer from it so people yeah. know. Awesome. Give, give people, Ronnie, who don't know why this is such a huge deal and who... Give them, give them a 30-second yeah. bio on Bob Lazar, so who this film is about. Really quick, 20 years ago, Bob Lazar came onto the scene claiming to have worked for the U.S. government and had back-engineered a craft, a UFO craft that he believes was grabbed from the U.S. government, Roswell, maybe, some other crash event, and that he was asked to back-engineer this thing. Um, He talks about the cockpit that was set for uh, almost like a child, like an alien-type creature that fit in these things. And a lot of people came out and said, this guy's full of crap. Um, his history is is in question, but I'm telling you, this guy is, as you would say, Maddie, he is probably one of the biggest witnesses to come out in this whole scene. Like this, this guy is the real deal. He might be the most compelling UFO witness or, you know, spokesperson for this whole movement that there is right now because he has been torn down, torn apart. But what this documentary does a great job of is, uh, showing that he's being vindicated in a lot of ways. So let's play a little trailer from this film, and then I'll deep dive into what my thoughts are on it. This story is extraordinary, especially if it's true. And it all started in the desert, just north of Las Vegas. A local scientist who's worked at Groom Lake said to be where top-secret weapon systems have been tested over the years. He has asked that his identity be shielded. Exactly what's going on up there. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. Physical contact and proof from another, another system, another planet, another intelligence. What would happen to you if the government learned that you were giving us this information? He just wanted to stay alive. Maybe this has been kept from us for a good reason. Sir, how do we know you are who you say you are? My name's Bob Lazar. I'm known for working at a classified base and reverse engineered alien spacecraft. So basically, Bob Lazar gave us Area 51, put it into the public consciousness. And what's ironic is that a lot of the things that happen in here don't actually happen at Area 51, but... That's the phrase that we all use. And guess who Bob Lazar's big best bud was or is? Squatchachusetts. John Lear. That's right, who I kicked off this podcast. And, and, but let's move on. <laughs> and, and, and Whatever Bob, happened to John Lear? Exactly. <laughs> what it did happen. But Bob, you know, the reality is the fact that this guy could call and say there's going to be a, a UFO exercise right now at this time, and they would show up. He had details. He was inside. Well, and this film does an incredible job of detailing exactly how many details he had and how time has borne him out to be true. Mm. Uh, but let's start with the problems first. I had a couple little okay. nitpicky yeah, problems. Yeah. Jeremy you... did a great job, the filmmaker, um, 
We should get on this podcast. And yeah, we're working. Um, I'm friends with them. Um, I'm trying to get him on. He's Jeremy been, Corbell. He's crazy. Right? He's doing tons of TV. And he also just did three or four months ago the the documentary for Skinwalker Ranch. Right, which is also really good. So he's had a great friggin' year with two yeah. of the biggest um, stories in this. And then he gets this UFO legend in ufology, Bob Lazar, to open up for the first time in 30 years. Remember, this all started um, in 89. Bob Lazar was a physicist and said, like, I worked on these craft. I reverse engineered. There was nine of them. And he went into specific scientific detail. He gave all these details. Element 115. Element 115, which the documentary gets into. But, okay, just just as a movie review, because it's monster media, um, it does make a couple little mistakes. I think, like, it uses Mickey Rourke. Now, Mickey... (laughs) As you and, heard and in the trailer. That, yeah, he was the narrator yeah. in the trailer. So he's the basically like, yeah. Uh, Time is a flasher, gorgeous. Thoughts are like clothes. Sometimes <laughs> we, we put on the clothes, and then we take off the clothes, and then we wear the clothes. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? I'm an old, broken-down piece of meat. So his voice is a little distracting, and I understand the filmmaker had a chance to have, you know, Mickey Rourke voice it, so awesome. But he was basically voicing just kind of interstitial content in between this really compelling documentary. So I feel like it was a wasted opportunity because you could have had Mickey Rourke, for example, there's an FBI raid that actually happened, spoiler alert, during, during the documentary. Right, right. And, and, and they just say, like, they do one of those you know, full screens where it goes, like, an FBI raid happens. And then it cuts to Mickey Rourke going, like, time is a flat circle. Sometimes <laughs> we dream and sometimes we cover I'm like, why not have Mickey Rourke say... At 2.05 p.m., an FBI raid happened. You know what I mean? Like, you could have actually had him narrate the fucking documentary. But they use him for all this expository dialogue, which is fine, but I just felt like, eh, it didn't move the story along. But I get it. If I made a film of Bob Bazaar and had a chance to have Mickey Rourke in it, I would have done the same thing. Might have used him a little differently. That's just a nitpicky thing. Some of the graphics are a little, like, you know, I would say Macintosh 90s, you know, <laughs> aliens on a uh, desert purples landscape with stars. And it's like, I just, the documentary itself about Bob Lazar is so delicious. It's so chock full of drama. You and didn't these, need those. These other elements almost pull away yeah, from the horror. Yeah, the little interstitial elements just kind of like, okay, I, I was almost fast forwarding through them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. But I'm yeah. just being nitpicky to give it an honest review. I think it's an A+. All awesome. that being awesome. said, I call it an A plus. So, it, 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 you know, and, if Jeremy ever listens to this, I'm not crapping on his movie. I, and he he got it done. We talked about this a little bit earlier today. And there's certain books that you would recommend if someone yes, right? yes. like if, if someone would say, "Hey, um, talk to me about the UFO right. enigma." Make and me you, believe. And you would say, "Here's Leslie Keen's book." Yeah. And what did you tell me today? Today, I, as as it stands right now in this industry or you know whatever space, ufology is whatever. A paranormal to make a skeptic not necessarily believe but to make them go holy shit what's going on i would show them this, this documentary i think first awesome because you cannot watch this documentary and go it's all a lie i just don't right. think you can and i'll give you a tangible example so there are i would say six to seven to eight things in this documentary that bob lazar is on record as saying years ago that people crucified him for and said, that's fake. Prove it. It's fake. See? And it's real now. And now it's all come out. So, like, even down to, like, he said there was a hand scanner. When he's like, well, when I, this is back in the 80s. He's like, when I reported the secret, there was this hand scanner and it had pins on it. And for years, people said, he's just making up these details. There's no such thing that, well, Biometric. guess what? Guess what? Just came out exactly as he described. It had pins on it. 
and the government admitted, like some of our top secret bases, this is a, a ahead of its time technology. It would actually scan your bones to bone length. Wow. wow. To identify you as a human being. And he Holy was way shit. ahead on that. Um, so many, um, you know, the fact S4 itself, he talked about S4. Yeah, and, everyone, and everyone said that didn't so, exist. And now we know so it the exists. the biggest thing uh, is Area 51. We hear that over and over and over and over again. But we heard from Bob Lazar back in 89. S four was the the real place. Area fifty one was almost like a cover. Right. Have everyone focused their cameras and their telescopes on Area fifty one. Right. But S four was where they were and doing like, all shit. Four. What's he talking about? Well, guess what? Now we know S four existed, right. and we have people on record saying it existed. Um, Element one fifteen, which you mentioned, now proven. It's right. proven. We made it, but only after he told us about it. Everyone's like, Element one fifteen. And when he brought it up, back in eighty nine, if I can remember correctly. We had element 112. We were still three elements away from where he said. It wasn't said, on the periodic table. It wasn't even fucking on it yet. And we've made it. And here we are. And and so that, um, he's named names that back then people, and now this that document, they show that these people existed. He finds them. Right. The filmmaker finds right. them. Um, and then he, he uses a great analogy too. Just him breaking down what how these crafts work. He makes an analogy to a bowling ball on a bed. And this is the best. I've always heard, you hear all these guys, they go, well, UFOs simply bend time and space. I'm like, well, what the frick does that mean? Like, right. you know what I mean? How do you, how does how, a how lay that? person yeah. like me understand that? He goes, and he breaks it down super scientifically. He actually draws one, but then he gives this really simple explanation. He said, put a bowling ball on a bed and then like, you know, a couple feet, you know, a couple inches or a few feet away from the bowling ball to press your fist into the bed. That bowling ball is going to lay, roll down to your fist quickly. It's going to roll right to you. He said, and that's what these things do. They, they, <laughs> the aliens bowling. Why didn't I put that in the intro? They, 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 the, you, you press your fist down. Yeah. That ball will roll to you. He goes, and that's what these things do. These crafts lift up belly first, and they press down gravity. Basically, gravity is a field. And right. it, it, it's a wave, which right. is another thing Bob Lazar said. He said gravity's a wave, and all these scientists are like, we don't know that. We don't know that. Guess what? Just recently, it's proven gravity's waves. So this thing pushes down the waves in front of it, wow. and it, it tracks to it. So I just never heard it put that simply. Right. And it's stunning. Um, he also, Ronnie says, the guy says to him, uh, what's your, why are you doing this? Why are you right. And it, he just is so honest, and he said, it's the suppression of advanced science. Like that's kind of what motivates this him. This could like, change. Yes, we're our so, whole. He doesn't say, "I know aliens exist. I'm special." A lot of these UFO people say, "I'm special. I've been contacted, so I'm special." Right. No, 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 no. He's like, "It's for I'm the a greater scientist. good. Yes. It's for the greater good." Yes, I'm a scientist, and this stuff is being hidden, and it's wrong. And you know what? It's not about ego. It's about the greater good, the the humanity. Yes. And if these people are come out going, you know, I want to share this not for me, not to trademark this, right? But because I'm a scientist and, and this needs to be told, Man. it's an incredible. So uh, awesome. get ye out uh, wherever you can get it. I got mine on Amazon. I paid for it. But uh, and it I, was the best 15 bucks I spent. Bob been, Lazar, I, Area I've been 51 working on getting Jeremy, the director, on. If Great. we can get Jeremy and Bob on, Great. We'll, we'll make it happen. Done and done. If you have questions or an experience to share, please send us your monster mail now at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Now it's time for Monster Mail. Well, Ronnie, Mike New, our voice expert, uh, says it, but I always, as always, I'm going to have you repeat it. How do people email us? At MonsterlandReport 
at gmail.com. And of course, we're on your socials, so please, you can message us directly from there in the comments or whatever. Insta, Twitter, Monsterland Pod, at Monsterland Pod. So uh, you got a piece of mail and I got a piece of mail. Why don't I we do dive it. into it, Ronnie? Let's do it. Who's yours from? So I have a anonymous message. Uh-oh. We seem to get a lot of these, but mm-hmm. uh, this is from a Lemister resident, born and raised. We'll refer to him as T. 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 All right. So I got a Facebook message from him. Um, they started reaching, uh, listening to the podcast, and he reached out saying he wanted to, to reach out and talk to me. He wanted to talk to me on the phone. I had to try to schedule something. He's like, I need to talk to you right now. Oh, boy. So I was like, all right. Um so he had a couple of different encounters in an area that is connected to Monsterland in Sterling. And uh, there's an area called Sholin Farms, um, which is connected right at the border of Sterling, the city of Sterling. And um, there's been a lot of different encounters there. There's been um, deer, uh, a deer carcass that was found up in a tree. Uh, so this area has a, is a huge hotspot. And... Uh, this gentleman is in his early 30s. His family has been, I guess, outdoorsmen, hunters, his father, his grandfather. And there's, as we've talked about in this podcast, there's a, a family lineage to UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings. And we'll talk about this a little bit with this particular encounter. But mm. um, <clears throat> so we talked on the phone and he just let it rip. And he was just saying, so he, he had different encounters in this area by Shulman Farms. Um, the first encounter was back in 2012, and he was alone fishing in Sterling, and they have these different uh, ponds, and there's a, a people that live in the area know Wikipiki, this rope swing that we go and swimming in the summertime, and he would go there in these different ponds, and there'd be great fishing. So he's by himself. He had a bucket of shiners, He's fishing. He then hears these footsteps behind him, walking through the woods. He can't see anything, and it's kind of getting towards dusk. This is like, um, I think, late September. And um, the woods are dark. The canopy of the trees kind of creates this atmosphere. And he hears this, something's walking through the woods, and he knows that it's bipedal. It's not an animal. It's not a deer. It's not a bear. And as he's walking through the woods, he just has this feeling that he's being watched. And um, he just gets this vibe of get out of there. And the hair on the back of his head just stands up. As he hears this walking, it stops. And he stops to listen. Like, he he's so in tune to this. Then he, he just hears a grunt. This uh. whoop. He hears this sound, and he said he almost crapped his pants. So he takes off. Flash forward three years later, he's in the same area in Sterling, and he's fishing, again, with his dad and his brother. And they're separated by about 50 to 75 yards between each. They don't want to get caught up in the lines, and they're fishing. He hears something run across the road from where they are, hears the feet on the road, and then runs through the woods, sprinting to the point that he goes, what the frick is that? Mm. And this thing runs behind them and up this ridge. And he says, Ronnie, this was not a human being. It was definitely on two legs. 
but it was sprinting through the woods so fast that it would just it, it just didn't make sense. So he said he gets at the top of the, the ridge, and, and he said, now, we're 50 to 75 yards, me, my brother, my dad. As soon as this thing ran to the top of the ridge, it stopped. But then he could hear this, like, shuffling sound. Like, it was almost like watching him shuffling over to get a good view, a vantage point of his brother and his father, and he came back. It was like watching all three of them. Gross. And he just said, Ugh. I'm out of here. Ugh. He's out of here. Just like his first incident, he knocked over the shiners. He took off running after he heard that grunt. He was out of there. He said he instantly thought of this experience three years prior by himself. And he said, Ronnie, this is the same Creature. thing. It's the same thing. And he took off. He tried to explain his brother. Did you he just hear that? And he said, no. It's, I'm out of here. He took off. And he, I talked to him about the Elm Street um experience that John just talked about mm. a guy that I know that had this experience this past Sunday um, and he said Ronnie this energy that is in Sterling by this area is the same energy he has felt at Elm Street which Jeff Meyer keeps witnessed coming up. Elm Street keeps Elm coming Street up we have keeps to go there up. And, that's and where we had our uh, that's that we had earlier that's yeah. where we entered with oh my John God. and Dave that's, that's the same where we entered with John and Dave and got lost and that's the same spot holy shit so that area has, there's something going on. Mm. Elm Street, Lemister State Forest. All right, well. There's something there. We got to go there. We're going to get yeah. mobile anyway. So that so reminds he, me. So here's this okay. thing. Yeah. He then tells me, oh my God, my grandfather used to talk about him seeing a Bigfoot when he was young. I said, you got to be kidding me. This happens all the time with these families, <laughs> right? Just last week. Our abductee said his grandfather's grandmother. Yes, had. yes. He has heard the story like one and a half times. It was like his his grandfather never told it to him directly, but he's heard it through his father or whatever. And he always dismissed it as some kind of stupid story. Mm. But the grandfather tells the story. He's in Sterling, and they're in front of this cave system, in the front of this cave. And he goes, are there caves in Sterling? I, I, I told him, I said, there are caves in Lemster people haven't found there's cave systems, and there's a lot of belief that these, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch live in these areas. Might use those right as hiding. to hiding hiding yeah. spots. So, his grandfather. This goes back in the 50s, late 40s, early 50s. He's hanging out with his friends. They're 10 to 12 years old, four or five of them, and they're playing in front of a cave entrance. And he just thought, the fact that he set the setting up, the cave. There's no caves in Sterling, right? But anyways, they're playing in front of this cave entrance, and a six-foot black-haired creature walks out of the cave towards the boys, doesn't say a word, doesn't make a holler, nothing. It just starts walking towards them, almost like a mummy kind of zombie thing. They scream, they take off. But I've heard this story so many times, and when he told it to me, I was like, oh my God, I told him about another story of a friend that her grandfather, they've seen one, they've tracked it. These stories go back years, mm-hmm. and how families, can people be families. making this shit up? It happens if a lot. It's not through, real. Yeah, they keep. They, it's like they target families and keep coming up. Yes, that reminds me. You mentioned him, the Bigfoot, or whatever it was. Yeah, running up a ridge and across ridge. Remember that really famous piece of Bigfoot footage where the Bigfoot's running across a ridge. Yes, and they studied it for years. Yes. and they actually like did the height silhouette. comparisons and how fast it was going. That no human could have run that fast across right. through that much brush. And right. at that height, they like measured it off a tree. It must have been like seven two or something like that. Right. That kind of reminds me. It was on a ridge, 
There's a family taped it. Yes. They were um, on vacation, yeah. Labor Day yeah, weekend, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Yes. I think it was, that, that was in New York. But it, it just shows you that there's this curiosity that mm. they have mm. with us. Mm. And you hear it time and time again, and these stories can keep on playing. But uh, And this was someone that, T, that has listened to our, our podcast and said, oh, my God, I have this story that now I equate to Bigfoot that I never thought. Yeah. Right. And this happens all the time. Right. It's unbelievable. Well, our uh, second piece of monster mail that I, I picked was uh, this one for me is from Patrice Griffin. Patrice lives in Pennsylvania now, but she's from Fitchburg. Um, and she describes, and I'll, I'll read this email verbatim because it's pretty amazing Great. when we do this, but I wanted to bring it up because we've we've said this before. She brings up the Andreessen affair. Mm. And wow. she says that she was always fascinated by it. And she, she starts to email. She says, I want to start that maybe you should put a warning on your podcast, <laughs> you know, to let people know that strange things might happen to them for listening. <laughs> Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> and we've heard that before. Yes. And she goes on to describe how it's been on her mind. And she listened to our podcast. And she's, she can never find the book, even though she's from okay. this. She wanted to find the Andreessen Affair book. And she says uh, she wanted to get it on, uh, on, you know, somewhere where she could see it. And she was... She was, um, let's see, so, so with all this lead up, I remind you that never in my time in Fitchburg, Leominster area, have I ever seen a physical copy of the book about the Andreessen affair for sale among books, um, which even now, I think out of everywhere, it would be easier to find at least around there. Well, yesterday I was going to the movies. I stopped at the Barnes & Noble close to waste some time before the showing. I decided to go in the New Age section as I didn't get to go into the store before Halloween. Um, which I like to do, blah, blah, blah. So she turns a corner after listening to us, and we had talked about having the Dreesen Affair doing a special episode about that. And what does she see? Guess what, Ronnie? Andreessen Dr. Affair. Seuss. Oh. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the places you'll go. Uh, of course, sitting right there, looking at her as she, you know, turns the corner on the shelf is the book, about the Andreessen Affair. Why now? Why here, she writes, and why after I listen to this damn podcast that mentions this person in several of the episodes. So, yeah, my getting more skeptical brain is now getting a bit less skeptical again. It just freaked me out, even though to tell my husband, who already probably thinks I am nuts, but I needed to tell someone right away. I didn't buy the book, but now I'm thinking maybe I need to go back for it. Yes, she does. Yes, I wrote her back. I said, yes, you do. Um... I can't wait to hear the new season. We're in it now. You guys do an amazing job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So keep awesome. these coming because please keep they just coming. people keep saying, "Oh my god, I listen to this podcast," and then something happens. So and it's happening to us. It's happening to Ronnie oh, yeah. and I. Crazy. So oh my god, all right. This episode was chock full again. It's probably going to be, I'd say, uh, no more than six hours. <laughs> Good luck, David, editing this one. <laughs> Who has to edit this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Must be a breeze. Yeah, absolutely. So for Ronnie LeBlanc. For producer Dave, for John and Dave, our guests, Squatchachusetts, check them out online. Um, this has been another edition of Monsterland. We'll see you next time. Oh, we're going to take a little break for the holidays. Um, we're going to try to release a little special episode over Christmas and New Year's. But um, we are going to take a break for the next uh, week and a half or so through New Year's. So we want to wish you all, as it stands right now, you could be, that's, I've said it before, you could be listening to this in 2028. Right. Disclosure is already happening, but as if you're listening to this as it comes out in 2018, we want to wish you a non spooky 
but blessed <laughs> holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy, Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate, we love you. Please share, like, subscribe, tell your friends about us. It's only going to get better from here. Happy New Year, everybody. Merry Christmas. We love you. We love you. Till next Thanks. time, my monsters. Remember, we ain't saying what it is. We're just asking, what is it? Whoop!